Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Ridiculing the Resurrection Jesus was asked a question on Tuesday of the week in which he would be crucified concerning the resurrection. In fact, on Tuesday of that week, he was asked a series of questions. Basically, one group after another came to him. Now, why were they doing this? Well, we read in Luke uh, chapter 19 that on Monday of that week, he didn't say Monday, but on the second day of the week, he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it's written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And then he proceeded to turn over their tables and let the livestock loose. He made a chaos in the temple, but the people hung on to his words. He remained around and was teaching the people and healing them. And he was teaching daily in the temple. So he comes back on Tuesday, he'll be back again on Wednesday. And the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But here they are. He's in, in the city, but all the people are clinging to him and to his words. They've got to separate the people from Jesus. So they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on to his words. So what they did was to come up with some plans to challenge his words in hopes that he would answer their questions wrongly, and thus turn the people against them. The first question he was asked was his authority question. Who gave you the right, the authority to do this? And he answered that quite well. The next question they asked was a political question. Loaded. This is their best chance. They showed him a coin and said, should we pay taxes or not? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Or do we go... And pay to God. That was their implied question. And Jesus, with great wisdom, had him show him a coin. And he said, whose head's on it? They said, Caesar. So he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. That's wisdom. They were shut up. They couldn't say anymore. They left. But here comes the third group, the Sadducees. Now, you need to understand about the Sadducees. The Sadducees are basic, the basic liberals of the day. And they're unbelievers in most of the texts of Scripture. They accepted only the first five books, what we call the Pentateuch. Now, those books contain the law, the law of Moses. And so they have a question about the law. But the way they ask the question, by taking the law and sort of bringing it to a ridiculous conclusion and then asking a question in a way that ridiculed a teaching of Scripture. So this, in real, a real sense, is a, a trick, theological, biblical interpretation question. You know, we can ask questions for lots of different reasons, and one reason is to try to trap people in what we would call an error, or to make people think that you are ridiculous in your belief. This is the way that many liberals approach people who believe the Word of God for what it says. And this is what the Sadducees were doing with Jesus. You see, they did not really believe uh, too much in a life after death. That was sort of iffy to them. And they certainly did not believe in a physical resurrection from the dead. But here they come with a test question. Now, let me read it to you. I'm, I'm using the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's very clear. Here's what it says. Some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him, that is to Jesus, 
and questioned him. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaves his wife behind, and leaves no child, his brother should take the wife and produce offspring for his brother. Now, this is a law uh, in the Old Testament, the, uh, the Leverite law, that you need to raise up a, a descendant for your brother if he died childless so that the land would remain with him and with his family. There were seven brothers. This is their test, test question now. There were seven brothers. And so the first took a wife and he died, leaving no child, no offspring. Well, that means the second one must take the wife. So the second one did his duty. He took the wife and he died also and left no offspring. And when he gets to the third, likewise. Now you can see where they're going with this, right? So all seven married her. They all left no offspring and they all died before the woman. But then finally, the woman died too. So here's the question, Jesus. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be since seven had married her? Seven have had her. Who does she belong to in the resurrection? Now, I'm sure that when they were asking this question, there was probably a little sneer on their face and maybe almost a chuckle among the crowd that might be there of them. And they asked him this question and they were trying to bring him to a ridiculous kind of situation in order for him to be held in ridicule. But here's Jesus' answer. He's very straightforward. He rebukes them. Jesus told them, are you not deceived because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? Now, in reality, this is sort of true across the board with those that we would call liberals in reference to believing the word of God. If you don't really believe that God is God and that God creates and that God can recreate, that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and all the other attributes the Scriptures apply to him. If you don't really believe in this God, then why are you flying under the flag saying that you are a believer? For instance, saying that you're a Christian or saying that you believe the Bible. In reality, you don't believe the Bible. So what Jesus calls them out, he calls them out. Are you not deceived? They're deceived for two reasons. Because they don't know the scriptures. You have to know the scriptures and you have to know it in their context, comparing scripture with scripture. And you need to receive all of the word of God, not just the portion you like. The Sadducees were accepting only the law, only the five books of Moses, because they could felt they could deal with those. They re rejected the prophets who call the people of Israel back to covenant obedience when they were disobedient to the law. That's very important. And you don't know the power of God. You see, if you truly believe God is the creator and that God really is and that he is all this that we say he is, then God has the power to do anything, anything. As the catechism says, he has the power to do all of his holy will. 
So there's the question, and Jesus' statement, first of all, is a rebuke. You are deceived, and you're deceived for two reasons. You do not know the Scripture, and you do not know the power of God. And so then Jesus gives us some very important teaching about the resurrection and the nature of the resurrection. Here is what he said. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, Jesus is saying that in this realm, in this world, in this age, we engage in sex within marriage for the purpose of procreation and having offspring. It goes back to the first commandment that God gave. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Okay? But that's so that the population will increase. That's so that there will remain humans on earth after the fall, you understand. But in the resurrection, there will be no more sin. In the resurrection, there will be a new order. And there will not be the multiplication of more people in the resurrected state. Instead, we would be like the angels in heaven who do not procreate. They were created individually and they were created whole and entire. In the resurrection, men, mankind, men and women, will be, born, will be reborn, that is, they will be regenerated, coming back to life. That's one way the Bible uses the term regeneration, to bring back to life the dead. And they will no longer be married. We'll have a different state. We will be the children of God in a great harmony in a new order on the earth. Then he goes on to give them the correct biblical interpretation. Now concerning the dead being raised, haven't you read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he's pointing them to the book they accept. Read in the book that you accept. Here's what it says. God spoke out of the burning bush to Moses and identified himself as the I am, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He did not say I was. He said I am. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly deceived. That was our Lord's answer to their question. Now, whose wife will she be? They posed this as a foolish question, having had seven brothers in a row, and none of them were successful in having children with her. And now they're all raised, seven brothers, one woman. Okay, which one now is the wife to this one? Jesus says, that's not the way it's going to be. You understand? There will not be marriage and having husbands and wife in heaven, on the new earth, in the new order. And is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you do not know your God. You don't know the power of God. And you do not know the word of God. So, biblically, they were wrong 
and they needed to understand the Bible by studying it more carefully. Theologically, they were wrong because they were drawing wrong conclusions from what they did know or accept about the Bible. Have you not read in the Bible what it says? God says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That means that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still known to God, and that in the last day, we will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all others who belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. For God is the God of the living. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, remember God, the all-powerful, the all-glorious, the I am.